Howdy, howdy, howdy do, who fans? Welcome to the Big Blue Box Podcast. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And welcome to episode 272. Yes. One day, I shall come back. Yes, I shall come back. Until then, there must be no regrets, no tears, no anxieties. Just go forward in all your beliefs and prove to me that I am not mistaken in mine. Our lives are different to anybody else's. That's the exciting thing. Nobody in the universe can do what we're doing. I've reversed the polarity of the neutron flow, so the TARDIS should be free of the force field now. You may be a doctor, but I'm the doctor. The definite article, you might say. The trouble with time travel is, one never seems to find the time. Change, my dear. And it seems on a moment too soon. Unlimited rice pudding, etc., etc. I am the doctor. For now, for this moment, I am the doctor again. The ground beneath our feet is spinning at a thousand miles an hour. And the entire planet is hurtling around the sun at 67,000 miles an hour. And I can feel it. We're falling through space, you and me. People assume that time is a strict progression of cause to effect. But actually, from a non-linear, non-subjective view, more like a big ball of wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. I could be a curator. I'd be great at curating. I'd be the great curator. <laughs> I could retire and do that. I'm the doctor. I've lived for over 2,000 years, and not all of them were good. I've made many mistakes, and it's about time that I did something about that. Bit of adrenaline, dash of outrage, and a hint of panic knitted my brain back together. I know exactly who I am. I'm the Doctor. Sorting out fair play throughout the universe. Howdy, howdy do. Doctor Who fans, I hope you all had a cracking week. And that you've all managed to do something, something Doctor, Doctor Who, Who related. Yeah. Well done for remembering what ep we're on, by the way, because <laughs> we, we normally confirm that just before we start. And as we were building up to that in the intro, I thought, oh, we haven't done it. Oh, You're yeah. You're on the yeah. ball. You're on the ball today. No worries, mate. No yeah, worries. Got it covered. Yep. So I hope all of our listeners are keeping well, keeping safe. Make sure you're still observing the two metre rule, even though lockdown has eased a little bit here in the UK anyway. Make sure you keep that two metres. Got annoyed with somebody yesterday. Was it in a supermarket by any chance? Of course, yeah. Was it? All oh, right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I'm obeying the rules, as we all should be. Uh, and some woman, her name's probably Karen, stands about, I'd say, I don't know, about 40 centimetres away from me the whole time as I'm queuing to go in. So I keep looking around over my shoulder, giving her the hint like, you know, back off a bit, back, back off up, a bit, yeah. back up, come on. Bit more room, wider berth, please. But no, she's just not a care in the world. So I just turned around casually and said, "Did you mind just giving a bit more space, please? A little bit." I think her eyes rolled back so far in her head, <laughs> they probably ended up just looking out the back of her head. It was like, "Oh, come on!" Why is it so difficult for people? I don't because everywhere I've been, I've got annoyed because no one social is social distancing at all especially supermarkets. So when they're being watched going in, they'll sort of keep a bit of a distance. As soon as they go in, it's like, you know, free for all. Um, but why is it so difficult? Why can't people, it's almost as if they're, it's like that childish thing of, no, I, I won't do what I'm told. 
isn't it? It's just like, why can't you just keep yeah. a distance? And why would you not want to? Strange. That <laughs> rebellious nature. Yeah. 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 Oh, we yeah. nearly go. We nearly reach you for the rant jingle within the first two minutes of the podcast. I was going to say, here we go. Steady. Uh, yeah, I should have carried the Sonic around with me a bit more often, I think. Yeah, you should, yeah. Yeah, that'll do I'm it. I'm going to start taking this out with me. Oh, crikey. Um, <laughs> Listeners can't see this, but I found this. <laughs> I'm not really going to take that. It's a replica gun. <laughs> and written on the side of it, it says the equalizer. This was the sort of toys we got when we when I was a kid. Yeah, <laughs> it's, just, yeah. it's actually a child's toy. Uh, but yeah, from the TV show, The Equalizer, starring the brilliant Edward Woodward. And I found this the other day, and I was like, oh, well, it's my old equalizer gun. But I think I was about 12 when I got this. <laughs> now I'm going to start taking it out. It wasn't from the equally <laughs> brilliant Arnie film, The Equalizer. No. no, I don't know that one. No, you wouldn't. I was joking. Yeah. It's a terrible <laughs> Arnie oh, film. Oh, dear. Yeah. No, I had that. And, oh, yeah, I mean, toys when when I was young were, were probably considered, some of them would be considered inappropriate now, like, you know, the, the commando knife set and <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah. Was that it was Commando? Diff- that was a sh- that was a Arnie film. That was Arnie. Yeah. 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 The Rambo knives and everything. That's it. Oh, that's it. Yeah. The Rambo yeah, Rambo yeah. sets had all of that. Yeah. So, but yeah, I just happened to find this toy gun. I've got it on my desk just in case we get any burglars. I'm sure the equalizer sticker won't give away that it's a toy. When I was younger, my next door. This is a completely random and not Doctor Who related. But when I was younger, my next door neighbour, she had a complete mental breakdown, screaming at the top of her lungs one one morning is he knowing the summer holidays this is going to sound really really old now but back in the day back in the day so back in the day in the uk when it was the school holidays and you got your six weeks off i remember it just being really hot and sunny the whole summer summer break so anyway it was those mornings where you just used to go out all the time so when we were kids it was just right open the back door or go out and play do whatever so one morning, our next door neighbour was yelling at the top of her lungs, screaming, give that back, give that back, you're going to hurt yourself. And um, the young lad who lived next door to us, he's only about five, uh, he had got somehow, either from another neighbour, another neighbour's kids, um, a Rambo plastic knife, but his mum had never seen it before, so she thought he was legging around the garden with a full-on... <laughs> I can remember the oh, Rambo no. knife so clearly because it had the big jagged yeah, yeah. edges, didn't yeah. it? God, yeah, I can't believe I had a toy of that. Yeah, yeah, it was crazy, yeah, because we thought this little lad was going about was about to stab himself or his sister, but just a just a toy knife, it'll do. Just a toy, yeah. But we turned out all right, didn't we? We haven't well, didn't do us any harm, did we? Well, it? let's well. not. <laughs> I can remember driving my neighbour mad with the I loved the theme to Dempsey and Makepeace. Oh yes. Do, 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 mm-hmm. do. And for some reason I recorded it off the telly. Now when you used to do that, I recorded it using the cassette player next to the TV. Yep. And then I looped it over and over because I think it was quite short. <laughs> and I looped it over and over again. And um I just remember playing it in the back garden and I wasn't I was oblivious. I was just loving it. I was just, oh I love this theme and just get going over and over again. And in the end she went, Could you turn that blimmin thing? <laughs> she went mad. I was like, oh well I didn't see you there. Um yeah, I love that theme. Wonder so, if I can download it out of a nice Um yeah, talking of doing that stuff, dude. I remember when I was a lad. <laughs> <laughs> When I was a lad. Welcome to the reminiscent podcast. <laughs> of course, yeah. yeah. So when I was a lad, you, you just mentioned about recording off the TV to a videotape. Yeah. Uh, I used to, um, I had <laughs> <laughs> the old Red Dwarf um, video uh, VHS tapes when I was younger. And I remember there's, um, 
on one of the episodes called Parallel Universe. I think it's series two or three, I can't remember. Uh, it opens up with the cat singing a song called Tongue Tied. And I remember connecting um, my old hi-fi uh, cassette tape thing. So on the back of our VHS player, it had these red and white audio outputs, so you could connect it to a hi-fi or speakers or something. I remember running that into my tape deck and pressing play and record on the video, VHS video player and that. And I just looped it round and round again. So I had tongue-tied by the cat, just played for about, I don't know, 45 minutes worth of... <laughs> but dude, what a time when you had to do oh. that stuff. It's not like now where it's like, oh, okay, I'm just going to drag this MP3 from that folder to that folder, or I'm just yeah. going to fire up Spotify. It was like a completely different, way different time. Crikey. It was. I can I can genuinely... I, m- I remember me and my cousin used to tape Doctor Who off the TV, the soundtracks. I can remember doing that. And I also remember at one point we... So I had a couple of script books. They released four or five script books at one point for like... Um, the Daleks and the Daemons and and uh, I think it was Tribe of Gum, you know, but Unearthly Child. So I had the script books. I remember me and my cousin recording, like trying to reenact them and recording them on an old cassette player as well. But yeah, I do remember re- recording soundtracks off the TV. And it's weird because I think we were doing the, um, like the Sylvester McCoy ones. We were recording the soundtrack from them off the TV, but I'm thinking... Don't know why, because like you could just watch it, but we we like to have the soundtrack. It was weird. No, I read you, mate. I we read we you just on used that. to love all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I did that with the. Um, this is really weird, <laughs> but with the old Star Wars films, I did a similar thing when I was a wee lad. Oh yeah, I used Star to record Wars. these little segments of music from the Star Wars films. So I ended up with this tape that had like a, a maybe ten, fifteen seconds worth of music, and then one of the characters would start talking. Then I'd cut it there. And then when the next bit of music came on, you know, so I had this like really weird cut together <laughs> soundtrack. <laughs> yeah. But I'll tell you what, dude, I absolutely loved that. I think I did it with, um, uh, I did it with a bunch of TV stuff as well. I had like the Wurzel Gummidge theme tune. Oh, well, he had a few Knight songs, Rider. didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Ah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, great days. Those were the I'll days. Tell you- Tell you going off a bit of a, a tangent here, you'll but you'll know this. There was a I remember because I'm I'm back in my I've gone right back now. This is like pro- regression <laughs> therapy. The retro I've podcast. Straight, yeah, I've gone straight back to my cousin's front room where we used to watch all the Doctor Who and stuff. And and I remember he had a, a Star Wars vinyl with like a really camp disco version of the theme that we used to love. And I know his dad used to hate it. My uncle used to hate it. It was like, but it had like a sort of funky, almost like Bee Gees backing track. And I was (laughs) do you know what that is? Um, Because I remember we played that to death. I have to shamelessly plug, I have to shamelessly plug my other podcast in answer to your question. That my, my other podcast that I do, which is the Star Wars one, which is called Spark of Rebellion. We Which use that title, music. We use that, that music for our intro and outro. Yes, is it the Love Orchestra? Yes. Yeah, got yeah. It. gotcha, gotcha. Uh, yeah. So I'm. Yeah, I know that music. I've listened to that over the years. It's um, it is quite cringe, but it's quite funky at the same time. It is funky. Yeah. 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 Crikey. Go and check out that podcast. If only for the music. <laughs> if only for the theme. Yeah, the music will get you going. Yeah, it is cracking. Yeah. Ah, right. We've we've. We're done walking down memory lane. We're good. Yeah. Coming up in today's show, we've got naff all, really. <laughs> Not a lot. No. We have skimmed the interwebs and all the rest of it. 
we furloughed Dalek Tack because we don't need any merch. Oh, I'll tell you what, I'm glad he's off for a week. Bloody oh. hell. <laughs> Would it kill you? Just to, no. You just going to smile at anything? No. Mm-hmm. Weather's nice. After last time with your sunburnt tentacle, he's staying out <laughs> of the sun. So he's off. Don't know where yeah, he's off for a week. No. I haven't seen him for a whole day. So, I don't know. So we've got no merch. We've got no news. Uh, the only things we were going to mention are like little things that didn't really warrant the uh, the whole jingle to go through all that stuff. So those of you might have seen the Blu-ray Collection Special Edition box sets, the re- re-release of Season 14, which is quite cool. Uh, I think that was announced a few days ago now, or a week ago, maybe, just under a week ago. And uh, I think it's all sold out anyway, so I think they were doing it over sold Amazon. Again. Yeah. Yeah. Amazon, Zoom, HMV, I think, had some, but yeah. they've all gone. So hopefully you managed to bag one, if you didn't before. And then the other thing was the Rory. Uh, Rory's getting his own story at Big Finish called The Last Centurion. Yeah. Which sounds kind of cool, but that's not out until middle of next year-ish. We'll probably so, come back to that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Time. Yeah, we'll come back to that stuff. Uh, so we've got no news on merch, and then we're going to get on to our review of the Sarah Jane Adventures as we close out Series 3. I'm gutted about, I'll be honest. Hmm. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, so we haven't got much going on. So have you done anything, Doctor who Well, we're recording quite early this this week because obviously I'm, I'm back to work. Um, so we've, my day's off of, you know, being restricted now uh, yeah. in terms of when we can record. So it's uh, we're recording this on Tuesday. So it was only a couple of days ago since I last spoke to you. <laughs> and I haven't done a lot, I'll be honest with you. But um, one good thing that happened, uh, which happened today, uh, this morning, um, was I got a delivery from our old friends at Forbidden Planet. Yay! And now that was nice to see because we've been worried about those guys because the the website was cyber attacked and everyone was getting worried because they weren't really informing people what was happening and we thought they'd closed down and orders weren't being processed and it was all uh, it was a bit of a nightmare. So, yeah, this is an order that I placed. Ooh months ago uh, ages ago but anyway yeah so it was really nice to actually see that lovely distinctive forbidden planet um parcel arrive today and it was uh, a couple of doctor who bits it was the you know i get the doctor who figurine magazines which has the magazine and a figure on the front so it was a revenge cyberman so the cyberman from revenge of the cybermen he's pretty cool he's like carrying that whatever it is, that big silver radio thing that he's got in the episode. I don't know what it is. Um, and a Vok robot was the other issue, which is pretty cool. Nice. SV7, to be precise. So a couple of little figurines turned up. Um, what else was in that box? Oh, a retro Star Wars figure that I was talking to you about, uh, of Luke. I uh, got the Luke figure. Um, yeah, I can't think. There was something else. Oh, a couple of comics and that stuff. Uh, so I got that. It's lovely to, to see Forbidden Planet back in action, because I do love those guys. Um, really looking forward to going in the store, but um, I saw the picture yesterday of people queued around the block mm-hmm. to get into. I mean, I, I knew they would be, but yeah, for, Forbidden Planet, this is they post a picture literally queued around the block to get in there. So I'm going to let that settle down, but can't wait to go back in there. Um, I had a big finish delivery uh, of Susan's War, um, which I've listened to. Very good. Highly recommend it. It's so nice to get the physical thing. And again, great to see Big Finish getting back into their stride in, with deliveries. And um, also, the Underwater Menace vinyl turned up. And I tell you what, it 
re- I think it's the best one in terms of like because I love those. You know, the, they've done a few, haven't they? Did like the Daleks Master mm. Plan and and uh, what was the other ones they've done? Forget now, Zarbi, the Zarbi one and stuff. This is uh this one's a, a thinnest because they're normally in quite a big box because they're normally like four or five vinyls. This is just a double vinyl set in a sort of normal vinyl packaging, but it's a beautiful. Uh, the cover's beautiful, and the the actual splatter vinyl, I think it's called Volcanic Splatter or something. Ah, it's, it just looks brilliant. And so it's the cheapest one you can get. I think it's about 25 quid. And I think it's my favourite one that they've done in terms of the packaging. I haven't listened to it yet because um, I've been slightly put off because the DVD is the one with the terrible um, telly snaps. I really struggle to watch the DVD, but it might be better just listening to it. So... Quite looking forward to that. But just as a, as a thing that turns up, and you know when you open something and it's just absolutely beautiful, it really is. It's a really, really nice vinyl of the Underwater Menace. I'm chuffed to bits of it. And um, and it arrived with no dents in it. I saw a few people that had got theirs delivered damaged, and I was dreading it. I thought, oh, God. But no, it's really, really nice. Cool. So, yeah, yeah. so lots of deliveries, lots of, <laughs> lots of um, nice things turning up. But uh, I haven't been able to watch anything or or do anything Doctor Who related, to be honest. Not not since we last spoke. Okay, cool. It's though. been gearing cool. up to go back to work. Yeah, you know, back to work crap. Yeah, get yep. back to it. Yeah, yeah. I feel you on the uh, on the the Forbidden Planet visiting the store because I was looking at because where I am up in Rugby, there's a couple that are relatively close. So the Coventry one's quite close. It's probably about twenty minutes from here. Not too bad. Or I could go a bit further afield up to Birmingham. But they're not the biggest stores, though. That's the thing. So the issue is even more compounded. So in the London one, which is fairly sizable, as it, or I think yes. we spoke about this last week, the London one, which is fairly sizable, even that you would really struggle to maintain your two metres and all that stuff, just because there physically isn't two metres around the aisles and stuff. So that's going to be a way. That's, I can imagine there is a queue right around the block. So I was thinking of of at the weekend making a trip to one of the local ones but i don't know i'd have to sort of go for when it opens where it's hopefully quiet or um actually no because they they've changed the opening hours now aren't they so they open at 11 yeah i've been to the birmingham one fairly recently um well you're not recently but before the lockdown obviously um and it's the first time I've ever been in there. And it's initially you think it's quite small because you go in and it's quite long and it feels like there's not much in there, doesn't it? It's like, oh, it's very, it felt quite clinical, very clean. It's just yeah, very spaced yeah. out. So, But then you go downstairs and actually there's more, it's a bit like a TARDIS in a way. It's more, much more room in there than you'd think. But yeah, the London one, I mean, surely they will have had to have moved a few units out because you, you wouldn't be able to get in there otherwise. It just, you wouldn't be able to social distance in there. I wouldn't have thought so. Yeah. If they're doing a one-way system as well, it'd be a really awkward, wouldn't it? Actually, talking of the Birmingham Megastore, you're right, it is very clinical, that one. It's it's a very, mm. um, when they had it refit, I assume, a few years back now, they must have had it all done nice because all the floor's very shiny and all the yeah. shelves are quite new and stuff. Uh, but it's the last photo, fo- I remember in the Birmingham store, it was the last photo I took of the Doctor Who display in a Forbidden Planet store that actually looked fairly decent. I think That's it, right. Yeah. Very small, but yeah, they're very neat. Hmm. I think that was like 20, 2018, mm. maybe 2019. I can't remember, or early last year. I can't remember. But it was, I remember going downstairs and thinking, crikey, they got quite a, 
quite a, a decent Doctor Who section, not like the Cabinet of Woe at the, the London one. <laughs> Which has now been ripped off the wall, by the way. <laughs> it's not even there anymore. They've actually finally just right, good, ripped it off good. and thrown it across the, the shop into a skip. Yeah, I mean, there's no excuse for the London one, really, because that's the flagship. <laughs> that's the one where all the tourists flock to, all of the, like, unless you're into, like, indie comics and smaller other bits and pieces where you go to some of the other comic you know there's other comic book shops in london obviously but that's the one where everyone flocks to you'd have thought that they'd put a little bit of money into the displays because some of them not just the cabinet of woe that which is thankfully no longer there but just a lot of the other shelves look old and tired and a bit battered yeah you know you'd have thought they'd have spruced it up a bit by now it's been like that for years did you ever go to their other location before they, so not the one that we know know now, but they used to be at the sort of very top end of Oxford Street. Yes. Did you yeah. ever go to that one? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, used to go there years mm. ago. Yeah. Because from what I remember, you used to have to go downstairs, but I can't, I've got really vague memories of it. But Yeah. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. This one is lo- a lot larger. Mm. The one that they've been at for years now is larger and it does look cool, especially from the outside. Because I really like the walk up to uh, Forbidden Planet from Leicester Square. It's a yeah. really cool walk. And then you see the sign and you think, right, the wallet's going to get a slap in a minute because it's <laughs> sort of rubbing your hands. But then when you get in there, it's like, oh, okay, most of it's cool, but I don't know. I know that the the, the MDs and the senior managers listen. So just uh, <laughs> get your, get some new shelving in there and some new flooring, maybe spruce it up a bit. I, I am really looking for, I must admit, I, I'm going to leave it a while because just let everything die down but um i am looking forward to going there I, i'm looking forward to that i'm looking forward to when bfi starts up again um and i'm looking forward to when we can all get together and just have a drink somewhere because i think those are the sort of three things that i've sort of really missed over the last sort of couple of months yeah because uh, obviously the pubs can't open yet and i don't, don't even know how that's going to work um they're gonna have to relax the rule and stuff but yeah i don't i know we've still got a bit of time we've got to let stuff settle down but those are the three things that i keep in the back of my mind, I can't wait to happen. FP, BFI, pub. <laughs> well, in that um, order. <laughs> well, we can do probably two of those. Actually, yeah, the next big blue box meetup, we'll do a, a London trip, go to FP, then go to the pub. Yeah. Get two of them checked off. Yeah, I can't wait. I, li- I literally can't wait to do that. I'm thinking, because um, LSCC's obviously been pushed right back till September, is it? November. November, is it? Yeah, because yeah. that's normally over my birthday weekend. Um, so I'm sort of thinking, well, that's not happening now, but hopefully we can have a little get-together um, on my birthday, you know, around that time. So that's the end of July. So hopefully things will have just settled down a little bit by then. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Go, go and blow all my some birthday money on a billion blind boxes <laughs> and just sit in a pub opening them all day. Yeah, that's so funny. Yeah, shopping but that'd with be Adam. my perfect birthday, that would. Shopping with Adam and FP is so funny. It's like, right, I'm just going to go and look at these Star Wars figures. All right, dude, I'm just going to go off and look at this. And then literally I'll be off looking at something for maybe a minute, minute and a half. And when I go back around the aisle, I see Adam's got like a basket full of <laughs> like like random little figures and blind boxes I and love bags. love blind boxes. And- <laughs> I just love them. They're, they're like my, they're, they're, I, mean, I would say borderline addicted to. Like even with this delivery, whenever I do online delivery from FP, I always add a blind box, just something to have it one in there. I got the one I got today is the Godzilla one. 
I haven't opened him yet. Oh, oh okay, one. sorry, I didn't hear this. Oh, literally a Godzilla as in... It's a, God, it's a blind box Godzilla <laughs> and there's about 10 of them, 10 different variants. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know you're going to get all of them. Oh, no, yeah. You yeah. might know I you've started. blind boxes. Yeah. The other funny thing as well is, um, uh, I think it was actually the last time you were in there. Similar thing happened. I went off to look at something and then I looked across at you from the other part of the shop. And all I saw was you sort of, you're back to everybody and then you just sort of turned your head now and then, looked over your shoulder. I thought, what's he doing over there? So I went over there. You're like shaking all the blo- <laughs> all the boxes, <laughs> having a feel. It's like, hmm, yeah, this one's quite heavy. That's, yeah, that's probably, that's not a TARDIS, that one. Let's put that back. No, that's, oh, I can feel that. It's probably River. Let's put that back. He's <laughs> like going through all these boxes. <laughs> So would you if you'd got 20 rivers? Songs? 20 rivers. Oh, yeah. God. I, I remember that wave of Doctor Who figures and I got about 20 of the blimmin' same river song. No, I know, yeah. That doesn't work either because I remember they did a Spider-Man blind box and I remember shaking all these. I spent ages because I really wanted, um, what was he called? The the Jake Gyllenhaal character. Mysterious. What's he called? Mysterio. Mysterio. Yeah, I really wanted the Mysterio figure. I was like, oh, does that sound like, oh, that could be his big bulbous fish tank head shake. <laughs> anyway, it got, got what I thought was four different, you know, weights of box. Or, yeah, they're definitely different, even if they're not Mysterio. They're definitely different uh, weights. And then I got went to, went to the pub, opened them, and I got four blimmin' MJs. Oh, no. I was like, how is that possible? I spent <laughs> ages and they all felt different. Like, you know, you shake, you think, oh, that's a bigger one. That's a smaller figure. They were all four MJ. So that doesn't that doesn't work, unfortunately. <laughs> I've had better luck when I've literally gone in, picked one up and threw it in. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing, I think, with the with the blind bags and the blind boxes. I think your mind just plays tricks with you. I think your mind is yeah, like, it must, yeah. is telling you what you want to hear. It's like you're feeling it. It's like, oh, that's heavy. So that must mean it's that one or that one. Yeah. And it's obviously not. It's <laughs> absolutely true. Yeah. 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 I remember we had a, a trip there and we opened up a load of them in the pub afterwards. I had a pretty good run that one. I think I had a, did, two yeah. or three, cost, um, what are they, uh, chase figures are they called? Chase variants, yeah, whatever. Chase. Yeah. they were, That was sweet, that one. I still got those somewhere. The two sets that have driven me up the wall is they did a Sherlock series and I kept getting blimmin' um, Watson, but the same one. There was about four variants of Watson. I kept getting the same one. And um, and the Fraggle Rock. I love Fraggle Rock. And I just cannot get the um, Gobo. I just, oh, I just keep buying them and I keep getting the same blimmin' figures. I've, I've had to stop buying the Fraggle Rock ones because I'm not going to get him. I've looked on eBay to try and get him. I'm like, oh, just can't get him. Classic. Two reds, and I've got about six of the little minor figures, whatever they're called. Oh, I just can't get them. He's called Go, Yeah. Anyway, the doozers. Yeah, I've got about six doozers. There's only two different ones, but I've got six of them. Oh, that's a name that rings a bell. Not that in years. Yeah, yeah, I mean they're cool little things, but mm. yeah, I just, uh, I just wanted Gobo. He's he's my favourite. Yeah. Anyway, enough of enough of that. Yeah, enough of that. So you've had uh, you've not done anything, but you've had a, some cool stuff turn up. Yeah, the old yeah. wallet's taken a bashing, but then you know why the heck not? But then again, a, back to normal life. Wallet's exactly. Taken yeah, yeah, things yeah. are getting back to normal. It feels like uh, in a in a way. Yeah, I'm skinning. Normal, again. but with adjustments, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. 
I haven't done anything. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, we're skint again. So back to normal yeah, life. Yeah, back to normal. Uh, I haven't done anything, buddy. I've watched a couple of episodes, and that's it. After we, um, after the Impossible Astronaut and Day of the Moon, kind of got the got the the vibe from Matt Smith, as we frequently do when we watch Matt Smith. So I just went on and watched the Curse of the Black Spot, and then the, oh, do- yeah. the Doctor's Wife. Those two. I didn't want to carry on because the Rebel Flesh. And what's the next one? The the almost people. That's a two part. So, so yeah. I thought, yeah, it's getting late. I can't watch those now. So I finished with the Doctor's Wife. But that was kind of cool, going back and revisiting um, revisiting those ones. I haven't seen much of episode uh, series six in ages. No, no, it's not not a series I go back to much as well. And I, I was saying to you before we kicked off the podcast that um, we've obviously got no filming news. Nothing much is happening in terms of Doctor Who news. Um, but it's weird because I don't. I am missing the show, obviously, but I haven't got that same, you know, like when I remember when we were told there was going to be a massive gap for Capaldi and we kept counting down, didn't we? Oh, you know, sit another six months till series 10, but oh, it's going to be worth it. But I don't have that same, I'm not sort of biting at the bit for the next series and that worries me slightly. I'm not like, like you said earlier, I'm sure once we start getting teasers and we see filming pics, I'll be like right back into it and yeah, I can't wait, but I'm, you know, I'm not really missing Doctor Who at the minute, which worries me slightly. Maybe it's because <laughs> I'm filling my time with the classic series and 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 stuff like that. But I'm not sort of I'm not sort of desperate for it to return. You know, I mean, I'm, I'll be glad when it does, but I'm not sort of I'm not on the edge of my seat thinking, oh, where's the new series of Doctor Who? You know, I'm just not. That's no, I read you, mate. Yeah, I'm but yeah, same. maybe when yeah. we get a few a few bits in, I might might be up you know more excited yeah i'm the same mate i think it's a combination of um because we run the podcast and we have to watch something doctor who each every week yeah that fills the time so it's like okay this week we're doing we're watching this classic episode or it's torchwood whatever it might be so we're watching something to do with who every week anyway and then the other thing is i think it's just that that weird even though lockdown stuff has eased a little bit i think we're still in that weird limboy period where it's like when's this ever going to end are we ever going to see any doctor who news you know they're going to give us any are they going to resume filming and production all that stuff there's just radio silence from the beep as always so it's like okay well until they sort all that stuff out yeah whatever when it happens it happens like you said yeah true yeah yeah okay dude um before we crack on with our review uh, welcome aboard to the TARDIS. Any new listeners, it's great to have you here. Anyone that's listened to us for ages, welcome back. Always good, as always. Uh, if you don't subscribe to the show, make sure you do that on whatever podcast app you listen to your podcast on. Head over to the website, bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk. There are links to all of those things on there. Plus, there's links to the socials. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Uh, connect with us over there um, via the website or just do a search for us on there. We chat doctor who during the week so it'll be great to have you over there and connect with all the other core who fans and we've got a free discord server as well there's a link to that on the website come and hang out and chat doctor who there plus go and check out all the awesome vids on adam's channel over on youtube the geeks handbag yeah geeks handbag yeah loads of cool vids there in this weather get yourself a beer or a nice cold drink and settle in Loads and loads of cool vids from Adam. And he's on the socials as well. Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Always a laugh. And loads of stuff <laughs> going on on those things each week. So come and jump on on there. Right, dude. Review time. What we got? 
Yes, indeed. So, yeah, we're finishing up Series 3 of the Sarah Jane Adventures, and this two-part is called The Gift. Stand back, Miss Smith. This little plant could save millions of lives. Will you be our ambassador? Our will change your planet forever. Has Potbar savaged anyone in the night? The rackweed is not harmless. I can see that. There's a great big flower sticking up in that. Oh, I'm so tired. The plant appears to have mutated. It will send its victims into a deep, deep coma from which they will never return. No. Mr. Smith. Mr. Smith, eh? You were a bit late on the to the ball on that one. <laughs> yeah, he was, wasn't he? I'd sack him. Take that tux back. <laughs> so then, the last episode of Series 3, The Gift. Uh, it stars the normal Attic crew at this point and uh, a, couple of, a couple of small supporting cast members with this one. Uh, it was for, first broadcast... Um, on the 19th of November back in 2009. And then the second part was on the 20th of November, so the next day, which is kind of cool. Um, so anyone that's not jumped on the Sarah Jane stuff beforehand, all of the stories for Sarah Jane are all two-parters. So that's how they structure their series. They're all um, two-part stories. It was written by Rupert Late. It was directed by Alice Troughton. And overseen by Gary Russell. Oh, yeah. And the synopsis for this one is when the Slitheens, uh scheme to destroy Earth uh, has been thwarted by Sarah Jane, another Slitheen, uh family arrived, the Blatherine. Uh They seem helpful at first, but Sarah Jane's a little bit, yeah, I don't know if I can trust them or not. As a generous gesture of peace, they uh, they gift Sarah Jane and the, and the dudes with a, a nice plant called Rackweed, uh, which seemingly seemingly looks harmless there's no problems there um but it goes nuts spreads all of its spores everywhere and infects people namely luke and a few other people so there's no cure for this so sarah's got to um uh, get this sorted out on her own pretty much because clyde and rani are off doing their thing with canine at the school so yeah so sarah jane's got to save the earth as well as luke and all the rest of it um yeah that's pretty much a synopsis for this one. So closing out series three, dude, what do you reckon to the gift? The gift. Um, yeah, it's not one we've heard much about, is it? Uh, in terms of there are a lot of Sarah Jane episodes that people rave about. And when we get to it, people say, Oh, you're going to love this one. And this one just didn't seem to get much reaction. And, um, I think I can see why it's, um, it's a fun watch and it feels to me a bit like a sort of mid season filler episode, really. It's um, not to say it wasn't enjoyable because it is still fun and, and the cast are all great and it's a good little watch, but it's not, it doesn't feel like a sort of end of season finale or anything. There's nothing big about it. And I, I think even though I was going to say it's Slovene, but then they're slightly different than this, the Blatherine Slovene or whatever. I think having them back again sort of feels a little bit like, oh, we've done this a couple of times in Sarah Jane. So it, it was a fun watch. I enjoyed it, but it was a bit middle of the road for me. It's, um, just didn't have that sort of extra edge. I think it's one I'd be quite happy to sit and watch any time. Um, it's fun, but yeah, it's not not up there with some of the Sarah Jane stories that I've really, really enjoyed. Um, 
as I said, it didn't feel like a sort of end of season episode at all, apart from the very last scene, which is beautiful, where they're having dinner in the garden and Sarah Jane does one of her little um, monologue bits at the end, a beautiful ending to the series. But, um, but yeah, it's just a bit middle of the road, this one. Some fun moments. Um, yeah, very watchable. Uh, my biggest problem with it was the way it was very quickly wrapped up and I thought the fact um, they were saved by the bell literally was it just was a very easy way to wrap the story up and that didn't work for me as a conclusion at all really but um, but yeah it's okay it was a fun watch that's about yeah as much as I can say really a fun watch okay. but not one of the best Sarah Janes we've had okay I'll read you yeah the gift um yeah, this is a, it, yeah, I think you, it, it does feel a little bit filler, doesn't it? It feels like the kind of story that you would have seen mid-series. Mm. As a bit of, just a bit of a fun light. I mean, the only sort of dark element in this, I suppose, is the fact that Luke comes pretty close to, to dying, I suppose. Mm. Uh, even though he should have been killed for listening to some of the music in his room at the time, but... <laughs> well, What's he got in there? I can't remember. I think it's uh, isn't it "Everybody in Love" by um, by somebody. I can't remember the name of the band who wrote it, but uh, "Everybody in Love." Who sung that? Is that the one? Everybody in yeah. So, anyways, it does feel a bit filler. So that's the only sort of dark moment. The rest of it is a little bit sort of light and fluffy really because whenever you're, you're dealing with the Slovene or the Blatherine in this case you you just expect it to be littered with fart jokes and fart noises and stuff and, mm. and all that going on so I wouldn't say it's the best finale we've had for Sarah Jane S- certainly series one and two finales were pretty sweet mm. um, although there is, I do have a little soft spot for those lovely little bits right at the very end you know when you see them yeah. out in the garden and it's Sarah Jane's got that nice She's narrating that nice speech over the top, and so that, that's kind of nice. But as in terms of a, a finale as a whole, yeah, it just doesn't quite carry that awesomeness about it that we've seen before. It's still an enjoyable watch. It still has a cool Sarah Jane vibe that you come to expect, which is good. So it's not a disappointing watch at all. It just doesn't quite elevate itself to be like, wow. Like when I, because um, I don't know about you, I think we we established this a while ago. But I think about two-thirds of the way through series one, everything post that I've not seen before. So when I got to the end of series one and the end of series two, I was like, holy crap, I cannot wait to get cracking with the next series. With this yeah. one, I was like, oh, okay, that was that was okay, not too bad. Um, and instead of thinking, right, I, I really want to reach for series four now and get that cracking, I was like, well, it'll be cool when we get round to it. And I just hope it's better than this, basically. it's. I, I'm glad it has got that ending to it where they're in the garden um, because I found, I think my biggest problem with this two-parter is the, is the uh, resolution to it. So the fact that they work out that the school bell is so loud that it, it affects the plants. So then they amplify it and affect all the plants, but somehow that kills all the infection that's managed to get inside everyone because that just, doesn't really make any sense to me um and then i think there's a joke towards the end where i mean basically the blathering blow up <laughs> and goo and gunge goes everywhere which is all 
very good considering it's a sort of kid, kids family show oh a bit of gunge but then i think there's a sort of a line about oh they've literally farted themselves to death or something and <laughs> i don't know just as just sort of thinking just the whole resolution to it kind of ruined the any anything good about it really i just thought oh it's been wrapped up way too easily it doesn't really make sense we've got a, a fart joke and oh i was just a bit nah this this isn't up there with some of the really good stories that we've we've had from sarah jane the script wasn't as sharp or witty mm-hmm. as well um some of the you know sort of the i think we've said before phil ford writes um clyde really well you can always tell when a different writer's writing Clyde because they just sort of give him these silly sort of roll your eyes gags and stuff. Um, yeah, so the <laughs> shit was the script wasn't as sharp. Um, but yeah, so thankfully we get that nice ending in the garden, which then kind of made up for that a little bit because I think if it had just ended on that, I would have been like like you thinking, oh god, that was you know <laughs> that was a bit poor. But they just managed to tug the heartstrings again at the end, which um, brought me back into it. Yes. Yeah, true. I love those endings. We we normally get that, don't we? At the end, we have a nice little Sarah Jane moment where it just she's basically saying how, you know, you need to treasure friendship and it's all great and yeah. And, the, and all that stuff. So that's really nice. But yeah, I can completely agree. If we hadn't have had that, if we just had the fart farting themselves to death thing at the end. And also the um I must admit, I did I did quite like the end because it does it it had that feel of like really old school late eighties, early nineties kids game shows, you know, and everyone used to get <laughs> guns all the yeah, time. Yeah. yeah. It was uh it had that feel about it. So that was I didn't actually mind that, although it was a little bit uh the resolution's a bit come on. But yeah, that was kind of cool though, because they're all just and they really did get gunged as well because oh, you can see them gross. constantly dragging it out of their mouth, their eyes, <laughs> the whole lot. Um, so that was very cool. I didn't mind that. That's That kind of took me back to a place where every week you were watching people getting gunged. I, d- I, I didn't mind the gunge bit. I think my main <laughs> thing that I didn't like about the resolution was just how I didn't get why. So I get the the amplification of noise made the plants retract. But then how does that how does that affect because suddenly like luke was back up on his feet as if he and nothing had happened the virus suddenly went away just because the plants were attracted and i thought that doesn't really make any sense that's just a really quick way of tying up the story and there was plenty of time to there was plenty of moments in this where they could have padded out the ending i mean there's quite a lot of padding in this there's a in in episode one the meal scene is quite fun between the blather and in the Sarah Jane, like, cause you, you kind of know that they're not really good, that there's, something's going to kick off. Um, but yeah, I don't know. There was plenty of room to, to that ending to not be so rushed. And it, I just felt like they couldn't think of a way to, to sort of solve it. So I know the, there's a loud noise, the plants attracts and everyone's fine again. It just seems so wishy-washy. I thought, no, <laughs> you know, the writing in Sarah Jane's normally better than that, that, you know, they normally, you know the script is normally sharper than that yeah no it normally is very convenient it normally is for sure it's normally a bit more and i think we've yeah that's one of the the good things that we've that we've brought up many times with the sarah jane stuff is that on the surface it looks like a kid's show because it went out at a certain time on cbbc so it looks like just a very very light and fluffy but in a lot of stories there's quite there's quite a few dark themes it goes it goes dark in a few episodes 
far beyond what you would think they would write for a kid's you know, for that target audience. Mm. The the biggest one I, and the darkest one that I remember is when Clyde's dad turns up. Do you remember that one? And yeah, he turns crazy and mental. And although again, on the surface, it just looks like Clyde's dad's turned into a monster. There's a lot of like emotional family, uh, sort of mental health stuff going on in that episode. Mm. So you kind of get spoiled a little bit, I think, as we've gone along, Sarah Jane, because they could they could do every episode like this one. And I guess they kind of did this to a degree. Do you remember the very, very first Invasion of the Bane? Yeah, yeah. That With that Slitheen story. At the time, we said, this is actually kind of cool because the Slitheen actually suits Sarah Jane because of the whole farty, jokey thing. It does suit the more younger audience, I suppose. But I think as we've gone along... We've just been spoilt by these really amazing stories that have dived deep in, into their characters and dealt with issues that you might not have at first thought, well, I wouldn't have thought they would have put that in there because it's a kid's show, but they did. And they didn't allude to it directly, but the themes are there. Like the thematic material of Sarah Jane is very, yes, it's great, but there's also these important things that kind of, I, I guess, I'm assuming the point is to try and give young people a bit of a lesson in friendship and doing the right thing and all that stuff and you know very light mental health stuff so this one just doesn't seem to have any of that stuff in there it just it's very i wouldn't say it's shallow but it just doesn't seem to have much in the way of substance to look behind anything it's like uh it's like everything is very visual slapsticky direct in your face Mm. there's no depth underneath it there's no there's nothing there, really. Like I said, the only thing that we really have is Sarah Jane being really, really worried about Luke. But we've had that in other episodes as well. So it's not unique yeah. to this one. So, yeah, it's enjoyable, isn't it? It just doesn't have any... There's no meat on the bones. Yeah, yeah. That's, I was going to say, that's right. I mean, don't for anyone who hasn't seen this, don't get me wrong. It's still a very enjoyable watch. But that's the thing. Yeah, you're right. Sarah Jane is quite often written, although it's aimed at a younger family audience, it often has a bit of an edge to it. That's um, it's, it's it's very well written series so far. Um, it's got that. It's a very intelligent series. So behind all the sort of slapstick and fun, there's there's often a, another level there. Whereas this episode didn't really have any of that. Um, it felt like it could easily have fitted into sort of series one, where they're sort of still just a little bit trying to find their feet. Although I think we both agree, Sarah Jane Adventures finds it, its feet very quickly, actually. Um, so it starts, I think, Invasion of Bane, yeah, maybe a little bit kiddie, but then it soon sort of gets into its stride. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's the thing with this one. I think that's why it felt more of a sort of mid-series or even earlier series two-parter, because it just didn't have that extra layer of sort of um, intelligence in the script, if you like. It was just a fun watch. It's kind of like if if you hadn't seen Sarah Jane and you were sort of the perception of the show that you might have if you'd never watched it, I think that if, if you then watch this as the first episode that you ever watched, it's kind of exactly what you'd expect. Whereas we know there's a lot more to this series than, than this. So yeah. I'd put this sort of in the sort of Invasion of the Bane sort of category of, you know, it's it's fun, it's it's good, it's, yeah. But it's just not as good as a lot of the other stories, which really do impress and have impressed us a lot as we've watched them. Yes, indeedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what I mean. We've been spoiled to a degree. We've yeah, had so many have, yeah. good, so many good episodes. You have to, you, they all can't be great, can they? Let's be 
realistic about it. No, no, know? I think that's the thing. We've said yeah. that, haven't we? That we've we've had no story that we thought was bad um, at all. So we've got to we've gone through three series, and we've really this is probably you're right. We have been spoiled because this is still a good two parter, and yet it's. I'm thinking to myself, it's probably one of the worst Sarah Jane episodes, but it's actually still good. So that sort of tells you something about the rest of the episodes that we've watched up to this point, doesn't it? You're right, we've just been spoiled. They've been of such a high standard that this one, even though it's still good, feels like it's not because we're comparing it to the others. <laughs> so yeah. you're right, yeah, we've just been a bit spoiled, I think. We've three series on and we've had some belting stories. Um, this one just falls a little bit to the side, I think. A little bit. I think this is the closest we've had, the closest we've come to a clangor. And it's certainly not a clangor, but I think it's this not is... not a clangor, no. No, I think this is the closest we've come to it, yeah. to it, to that end of the scale, I suppose. Uh, what did you think, too? So the main court, the main villain or alien monster, whatever, in the story is, uh, to begin with, the Slovene. Uh, so yeah. what did you think to introducing another species from that planet, then? Because up to this point, we assumed that the Slovene were it. That was, they were the, you know, the one species inhabitants from that planet. So what did you yeah. think to having another one? And then we learn also that the, um, they're actually all part of a, an alliance called the Raxus, which is a collection of four planets and species. Mm. So what did you think to all that stuff, introducing a bit more, a bit more uh, info to that planet? Yeah, I think we needed that because we've had the Slovene in Doctor Who and, and also in Sarah Jane a couple of times already. So it definitely needed to have that extra sort of edge to it. They're quite funny. I, I had no idea. I've only just realised that that was Miriam Margul, Margul's in that. So I, I can't believe it. I've only just realised that. because I, I love her. I think she's amazing. Um, yeah, no, I thought that was good. And I think they looked quite good as well until... They sat down because <laughs> the first thing I wrote on my pad was, oh, the Slovene look better in this story than they did in, in Doctor Who. Because, you know, it's a few years on, they've altered the suits a little bit and they, they actually look very good, even though they're big rubbery suits. They, they look pretty good. But then it kind of gets ruined when they sit down and the costume folds over <laughs> in the middle and then suddenly it looks very rubbery, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I didn't notice at first. Oh, I didn't notice at first, but then you can't unsee it. It's one of those things that yeah. when you notice it, you can't unsee it. And then you think afterwards, oh, am I thinking too much about this? Because there's probably not a lot they could have done about it, really, because the no. the bulk <laughs> of times that you ever see the Slovene is they're just they're always standing up and running around. So when you have to sit them down, it's uh, it's crazy. And do you know what? It's little things like that that are real headache for uh, people that make TV and films much more than you would think. So I think there has to be a point where they just say, look, we're just going to have to run with this. I know it looks like it's a large piece of foam that's been folded over, <laughs> which it is. Um, but I tell you what, dude, it's a massive thing. And what reminded me of it actually is that anyone that's got Disney plus that's watched the uh, behind the scenes shows for the Mandalorian. Yeah. Well, yes. I've done. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a series called the the gallery, which is like behind the scenes stuff. And they go through this thing where they're going through like, they're setting up a scene in this like sort of mini cantina. And they have this long discussion around the Mandalorian couldn't just come in and sit down. 
because the way his armor was designed around his hips and his legs and stuff, it just doesn't bend that way. So they've set everything up and they're like, yeah, you're just going to come in and sit down. And he can't. So they're stuck with that decision. Like, do they alter the armor? But that's going to affect consistency. Do they fudge it somehow? Does he wear just Bermuda shorts from underneath? And all that. So that stuff is a, is a pretty big headache for producers and filmmakers and TV makers and stuff, more than we realize. Like to you and I, it's like, <laughs> those costumes look, it looks rubbish when they're sat down. They probably had a headache over that for hours. But they, they what can you do though? There's nothing. You want you to design no. a whole nother costume in like sitting down mode that doesn't do that. You can't do that. You <laughs> yeah. haven't got the money and time to do that. It's a shame because they, they do look so good when they're first in there. I thought, oh, you know, they do the little eye opening and shutting effect and, you know, they just look a bit more weathered and the, the costumes look a bit more weathered and realistic. I thought, oh, they look really good in this. And then they sit down and, like you said, unfortunately, then the suit folds over. You think, oh, that's a shame. And I think the other problematic thing in terms of production is when they have to eat. It's oh. a bit like watching a school play in it. They have to pretend to sort of <laughs> like they're sucking at the food, but nothing is happening. I thought, oh, that's a shame because that also makes, it also shows up the limitations of the suit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but like you said, I don't know how they could have got around that, really. Uh, especially on a show that probably didn't have a particularly big budget, I wouldn't imagine. So, yeah, p- problematic, not exactly. I know what you mean. I mean, I know we shouldn't even worry about these things. It's more of an observation than mm-hmm. it didn't bother me at all. But I just. I just sort of thought, oh, it's a shame because they looked so good at the start. <laughs> yeah, no, they did. Yeah, what do you like prefer? Improved. Do you prefer the, the green slitheen or do you prefer the more orangey, sort of burnt orange blathering? Uh, well, this is the thing, you see. I can't tell the difference. Um, and I don't know if that's down to my colour blindness or what, but when he said, is it Clyde that says, oh, you're a different colour or something? I, in my head, I was thinking, are they? I can't see it. To me, they look the same. Oh, you can. Oh, because of your color blindness, you can honestly yeah, couldn't, couldn't tell. See. No, oh, I wouldn't. Right. If he hadn't have said it in the scripts, I wouldn't have even known they were different color. Oh, right. So what? What are they? Because Slovene are green, aren't they? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The so what color are, are these guys? Because yeah. they look a sort of. Well, they just look like a dirtier green to me. Oh, right. They're they're like um a sort of dark orangey, um, like I don't know, like Ron Seal, <laughs> like you know yeah. when someone's been out in the sun for like five years. Yeah. <laughs> and I got that real. Dark town colour. It looks like that kind of colour. I probably could if you put if you put one of the original Slovene next to it, so I could see the difference. I'm, probably, I'm sure I would be able to tell. But no, and up until that point in the script when he said it, and and even realised they were different colour. Yeah, it's basically an orangey colour, essentially. Yeah, but uh, no, I quite like the orange colour because it was just something new and shiny and different. It was like, oh, we got some new. Even though they look the same anatomically, they they've it's got this different colour. So. It was, it was cool. It's like, oh, we've got some new ones. Mm-hmm. Some new ones. Yeah, I think I prefer the, the blathering. They're a cooler colour. Yeah, I was going to say, in terms of look-wise, I mean, I can't really see the colour, but it, it, they, I could see they were slightly different, I suppose, mm. in some respects. So, yeah, yeah I, liked the, I liked the look of them at the start. So yeah. was Miriam Margwas actually in that suit, or did she just do the voice? I'm assuming uh... she just did the voice. Or was she in it? She, no, she <laughs> just did the voice because... Oh, she did? All oh, right. Yeah, so Paul Casey was in the suit. Oh, there's a name we hear a lot. Yeah, so Miriam, um, her character was called Leaf. She had th- that's not her full name, is it? It's a her name was longer than that, but they just shortened it to Leaf. And then her husband, who was the voice, was Simon Callow. Oh wow, I didn't even know that. Yeah, he he was called Tree, which is quite a cute Tree and Leaf. Simon Callow was in that guy from Four Weddings and a Funeral. Yeah, you know the why me? Yeah, anyone that doesn't 
know that film, Ace Ventura 2. <laughs> um, the guy, like the evil guy that's uh, that stuff. Yeah, but yeah, Simon Callow, yeah. yeah. I had no idea. It was, I, I cannot, cannot believe I didn't realise it was them in the do the voice. I didn't pick up on that at all. I once interrupted Simon Callow having a sandwich and asked him for a selfie. <laughs> he didn't. He didn't look very happy. I. I to be fair, I didn't. Re- I didn't tweak. He was eating until I'd already asked. If you know what I mean. He was just. At, he was near the Strand in London. I saw him. I thought, oh, Simon Callow, I'm going to get a selfie. I said hello there. Go, go, get a quick picky with you. And then I sort of looked down, and he he sort of got half eaten sandwich in his hand. And he, oh, um, and suddenly it felt awkward. He's like, oh, he's trying to find somewhere to put it down. And oh, he did have a, I did get, I know, <laughs> I know, not, I don't think I was his best friend that day, but yeah. <laughs> and Miriam Margos, I haven't got a photo with because um, she scared me when I met her. And it's one of my biggest regrets because I absolutely love her in, in the Marigold Hotel. And she's done a few other programs, um, which I just think she's brilliant, but she can be very, uh, she's quite forthright sometimes the way she speaks and just as I was thinking of getting a picture with her at a convention she thought I took a photo of her when I didn't and she said did you just take a photo of me you cheeky C words that we definitely can't use and I went oh really uh, yeah 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 but she said it because if you know what Miriam Margus is like you kind of know that she's not really being nasty That's she's just she loves to be, she's, that's just her. She's like, I can't explain it. You even know what Miriam Margulis is like, who you don't. But it shocked me and I was so scared of it. I didn't go, I didn't, I just couldn't go off and get a picture with her because I was like, oh my God, she just called me a, that word oh, that we dear. definitely can't say. But um, but she did say in a sort of comedy way, but it still was enough to scare me off. But I, man, do I regret it because I really like her. And she also stood up about five minutes after that and went, right, five minutes and then I'm, Swear word, swear word, off, out of here. So if you want a picture, get it now. <laughs> and everyone's just like, oh my God. She, she's a bit of a character. She's <laughs> no messing about. Yeah. There is no mess with Miriam, but I'll yeah. tell you what, um, if you know what she's like, she's, it's all done in good jest. It's not. I read you. Yeah. Not nasty, but yeah, if you didn't know what she's like, you'd be just like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. What did you think to her character though in this? How she voiced it. Well, they're, they're, I, yeah, I'm kind of surprised that they managed to get two quite big actors to do this because, uh, as I said, I didn't realise at the time, but because they're just playing it for laughs, which is what the script requires. So I'm not saying that as a, you know, as a, as a put down. They're, 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 I didn't feel they were very sort of threatening or anything. They just they just provide the comedy for the story. So I thought they were good, but uh, they certainly didn't stand out. Um, is anything special? The bit that really annoyed me actually is when they put Sarah Jane in the chair. More again, more of a production thing than anything else, because they strap Sarah Jane in this chair that she can clearly just get her hands out of <laughs> anytime she wanted, and she sat there struggling as if, oh, I'm trapped in this chair. And they do make a great line about that chair cost us a fortune, which I thought was funny. But she could have got out of that anytime, and I thought all that needed was just a tiny little special effect around the the clamps on her hands as if there was a force field or something, but it just looked terrible. She could literally have just taken her arms out and I'm free. It, it, it just, it, again, it was just the some side of the production, which I think just let it down. It, it just needed something to show that there was a reason she couldn't get her hands out of those great big holes that she, she'd put them through. If you know what I mean? I know what you mean. Yeah. So that, I don't know what that bugged me as well. Cause I just thought that was such an easy fix. A Roger Rabbit moment. Roger Rabbit. 
he's handcuffed, isn't he? Oh, and yeah, he's got the yeah. He could literally just <laughs> yeah, he could just take his hand out anytime. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I get you. Yeah, but it yeah. was um, I I quite like the for me the characters didn't they were fairly standard when they were together talking to Sarah Jane or the other or the other characters. I found them just to be quite um standard, really. Nothing crazy. The the times that I did like them is when they were arguing between themselves. Yeah. So there's a bit where trees uh leaf is like, go and fix that or whatever. And he's like they kind of turn into like an old bickering couple. So that was quite funny when they were like that. You know, when they when Sarah Jane teleports back out of the ship and then she's back on Earth and then they yeah. try to do it and it's like, no, she's disabled something or she's broken it and she's like, hurry up and fix that. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, I can't do it that quick. And they start bickering. That That's quite funny the, when they're sort of bickering between themselves. But otherwise it was just, it could have been anybody voicing those characters, you know? I think that's why I'm surprised that I've having read just now who was doing the voices because they didn't, I didn't sort of sit there thinking, Oh, these two are great. Who who's doing the voices for this? These these two are brilliant. And so to see it was those two, Simon Callow and Miriam Margaret, who are quite you'd expect a better performance. And I I'm not going to put the blame at their feet because I think they do fine. But maybe again it comes back to what I was saying about the script, the dialogue in that just isn't particularly sharp. It's just all a bit, you know. Yeah, so they're a squabbling couple. So we'll put a few lines in here, and it just wasn't strong enough. I don't think the script really. Because they, they should have really brought that to life, those two. Whereas, like you said, yeah, they're just a bit eh, a bit funny, but they don't stick in the mind at all, do they? Not really. Like, at the end of it, I didn't think, crikey, Miriam Margols and stuff, they've turned in a you know brilliant <laughs> performance. It was yeah. like you didn't even know Simon Callow was doing I it did, anyway. <laughs> I didn't even know. I didn't know it was Miriam either. Didn't yeah. even didn't know it was those two. Because no. I'm thinking back to the, the um, Sontaran episode. I think it kicked off series two. We get oh, introduced yeah. to that new Sontaran character. Can't remember his name, obviously, but um, but I remember us both saying, you know, oh, he's a really good character, and he he really goes for it, and you know, he's obviously looked at what's on the page, and he's really put his all into it, and that's that's the sort of thing, you know, I'd expect from if you're getting Simon Callum Mirror Margles into it, and again, I'd expect the script to be better for them to to take it, to be honest. Yeah, that was the last Sontaran. Yeah. It was Commander Karg. Karg, that's it. Yeah, I liked Karg. He was good. He was all right, wasn't he? I mean, old, even old Mr. What's-name in his red coat from Series 1. I mean, he, again, this they sort of stick in my mind, you know. It's, it's just uh, yeah. being, you know, funny. But well, these these two, I wouldn't really give them a second thought, to be honest. Uh, what was that then? Was that Eye of the... No, Warriors of Kudlak. Do you remember? Kudlak, yeah. Remember old Kudlak with his yeah. swishy red coat? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What's oh, his well, name? Was it Kudlak, actually? Was it Kudlak? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah. Oh, good old times. That's what we're saying. Like, we've been spoilt by all these amazing stories. Mm. Anyways, yeah, so those characters were, they were okay, just not, okay. not very memorable. That's the only surprising thing about it. Yeah. But then again, this was written, so the guy that wrote this, Rupert Late, he was, um, he's only, he's only, he's only ever written two two TV stories, this and the other Sarah Jane adventure lost in time. Lost in time. Yeah. I think that's going to, we're going to come on to that. Oh, we haven't watched that one yet. No. So I think that's series four. Yeah. So, uh, he's only ever written these two things. I mean, he's quite proficient with other stuff. He's written, um, a a Torchwood 
audio drama, another Sarah Jane audio drama. He's written a few books and stuff for Doctor Who. And that's it. Like his, his experience, if you like, is very thin on the ground. So although the majority of the story was pretty good and okay, from a writing perspective, there wasn't, maybe we needed somebody with a bit more experience to write these characters, you know? It wasn't terrible, but... No, I was going to say, I think, sorry, any listeners listening to this that perhaps haven't watched it probably, you know, thinking, oh, God, this story sounds awful. But um, again, it does just come back to what Gary said. It's it's not bad at all, um, but it is just a fact that I think it just the strength of the script just isn't up there with what we've had before. Um, yeah. But, yeah. yeah, it's certainly not bad. I mean, we get we get all the sort of attic crew thrown out straight away in this one don't we so we even canine takes a quite a big role in this story so we you kind of get everything thrown in including the kitchen sink but it doesn't lift it to the heights Mm. of the other stories even with all that i don't think yeah that's a good point Mm. there's lots in it and canine does get a nice meaty part in it he does yeah yeah and he's quite funny him and clyde are quite good together because clyde's very much the lad as we know and Oh, I've got a brilliant, enough, aren't they? Yeah, he's like, I've got a brilliant idea. I'll, I'll ace this test because I'll just bring K9 into school. We can hide under the desk and just feed me the answers, which is brilliant. Yeah. But K9's very much, mistress, what's going on? Like, <laughs> he doesn't know what's going on. But so from that perspective, you can you can absolutely see what um what Rupert was trying to do with that stuff. He's like, right, let's bring K9 back because he's only had really he's only had cameos up to this point let's give him a bit more to do and we'll keep the Clyde stuff sort of one line of funny and quippy and stuff that's all good um yeah you can see what he's trying to do so really as a as a result of that though if we're going to bat the, the ball back over the net unfortunately because of that because those guys have got loads to do you have to sub we come back to this time and time again with even with Doctor Who and the companions in that one, when you give some of the companions stuff to do, there isn't enough screen time to have all of them doing something. You've got to sideline at least one of them. And that was Luke in this one. <laughs> yeah. So they literally confined him to a sofa for the majority of the two parts, because That's right. although he gets stuck in to begin with, he contracts the spores, doesn't he? From the rackweed. And that's him, yeah. out, that's him out of the game until at the end of the story, really. So in one way, it's great that we still get the really cool, funny Clyde stuff. And, and, and Rani's quite good in this as well. You can see that she's quite liking Clyde at the minute. I think they allude mm. a little bit, a little bit that she quite likes him. So I'm interested to see how, what happens there in series four. But you can see that Rani's getting a little bit, a little bit of a soft spot for Clyde. Yeah. Which is kind of cool. Um, and uh, yeah, so Luke, bless him. He's just like, what am I doing in this story then? Well, you're going to lay on that couch looking ill. <laughs> oh, I can do that. Lovely. <laughs> it's, it's, it's an easy day on set for him on this one. Yeah, have a yeah. bit of makeup slapped on, look like you've got a rash. And you go and sit <laughs> drop down. A, drop a phone. <laughs> um, I was going to say, it, it was a good cliffhanger, I thought. So it, it ends with a flower, because you kind of know that something's going to go wrong. You keep thinking, well... Obviously, this 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 plant's going to kick off, you know, um, <laughs> which it does. So it was quite a good cliffhanger, I thought, and a, a fairly decent resolution. Um, I think Mr. Smith deserves a, a slap for not picking up, <laughs> <laughs> not picking up on the, the plant quicker. Um, but then he does make up for it with his big old super vent that oh, he's got yeah. hidden behind. I mean, 
Yeah. I bet the production team, when they saw that in the script, was like, they built this blimmin' Mr. Smith set, which looks quite complicated anyway. And they're like, oh, by the way, we need to put a vent behind him for this story. Oh, for goodness sake. Yeah. (laughs) And then it's going to get covered in gunge. That's going to have to be cleaned up and rebuilt again. I did keep thinking, I bet that took ages to clean (laughs) that set up. Oh. Um, So, yeah. So, yeah, it's quite a good cliffhanger, I thought. And the the plant seeds and that looked pretty good CGI for the time. When, what year was this? Yeah, 2009. 2009, yeah, yeah, it looked pretty decent. The whole flower exploding and setting off these spores or petals or whatever you'd call them, not petals, but, you know. 11 years things. ago, wasn't it? Yeah, 11 yeah, years ago. Yeah, that all looked very good, I thought. Yeah, and the stuff where oh. they're running around the school and it's outside and there's a bit of day of the Triffids thing going on. Wasn't there? So that, that all looked pretty good. It did, actually, yeah. In, yeah. Well, yeah, we've never had any complaints about... Um, production stuff and cinematography and all that with Sarah Jane really because one thing that we noted right from the off which is fantastic about Sarah Jane is that it all feels very much like the RTD era of Doctor Who yeah it does yeah like a lot of Torchwood feels like I'm I'm this might not be true it probably isn't but it just feels like there's a completely different crew completely different bunch of people working on that Whereas with Sarah Jane, it feels like everyone that's working on that also worked on the Tenant era of Who at the time. It just feels like it's all the same peeps doing it. There's just got it's just got that RTD feel about it, which is really nice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what do you think to the the little character twist with the with the Blatherine then? Because halfway through part two, we learned that these dudes aren't strictly Blatherine. They're like a there was like a, a mixed race family yeah. wedding sort of got get together that happened a while ago. So now they're not the Slitheen, they're not the Blatherine. They're now the Slitheen Blatherine family. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> they try and blame the Slitheen, don't they? Like, yes, the Blatherine are the, the more high regarded family and stuff, but uh, we've sort of followed the the evil side of the Slovene family, which is why we're taking over the world sort of thing. Did you like the, um, the explanation of that? Because at first, before the plant kicked off, it was very much a, the Slovene are bad. The Blatherine are the good, the good dudes, the good ones. Yeah. So, uh, but I saw that coming to be honest with you. I saw the whole, you know, the Slovene Blatherine thing. Yeah, I'll definitely. I, I mean, I think that is the maybe, uh, and I did like that, by the way. I thought it was quite fun. But I think that is the biggest thing, perhaps, problem in brackets with this two-parter is that I think a lot of it I did see coming. Uh, and you could say, well, yeah, but it's just a light-hearted kids show. So you can let it off to an extent. But um, it did feel quite predictable all the way through, actually. And now now I think about it, I think maybe that's my biggest issue with it, is it? That, I think that's why it feels a bit flat because you could just sort of see everything coming, really. Yeah. Um, in, including that. I mean, obviously they were going to, you know, they look so similar. Of course, they're going to be part yeah. of that. So, but it was fun. It was a, a, like where they start telling them the story because they, you know, it adds a bit of humour to it. Yes. Yeah. 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 It was pretty cool. Um, and then there's a whole bunch of stuff that kicks off around all of that stuff. There's lots to talk about. We won't talk about it here, but. There's um, the Raxus Alliance of these four planets that unite to do yeah. stuff. There's a whole, there's a, some books and audio dramas about that. But what's cool is that they came up with this other cool sounding planet. So the four planets are Clom, which we know of. <laughs> we know Clom, yeah. Clom. Uh, Clicks, 
we have Raxacorio, Raxacorico Falapatorius, which is the Slovene and the, the Blatherine and Slovene stuff. But there's another one which is called Raxacorico Valonpatorius, mm. which is another very similar planet, which we don't know much about at all, really. So it's really cool that they have this backstory and this whole other realm of stuff going on with all these um with all these uh other planets and families and stuff but what was most funny about it and i thought okay they've got to make something out of this <laughs> out of this much hated episode but one of the um one of the planets is where the absorber lofts <laughs> <laughs> come from and uh, i think they call them absorber lofians or something like that yeah so I thought, yes, they've they've got to somehow elevate love and monsters somehow because it's often so hated that episode. It's like, come on, let's let's try and build a little bit of a little bit of backstory for those guys <laughs> and try and give them a bit of credibility. <laughs> so that's kind of cool. So I'm I might not, if I'm bored for a week, I might dig into some of this Raxus Alliance stuff. Because uh, there have been a couple of comics and books and whatnot, so. Oh, is that all oh, right? Okay, yeah. Yeah, so I might have a looky. Might have a look. Yeah, I was going to say that is that is the other good thing about anything to do with this sort of time period of Doctor Who and and the Sarah Jane Adventures. That is, they do they're great at building these worlds and backstory, aren't they? So it's all kind of there if you want to look into it, but you know it doesn't matter if you don't. But I, I like the fact that the thought has gone into it that yeah. they've you know they've created that little backstory for. You know, it just it just builds the world up even more, doesn't it? That RTD and everyone else in this sort of era created. I, I love all that sort of stuff. Yes, the Absorbaloff of Clom. Yeah, is that a comic? Uh, uh, no, I think the Absorbaloff and his kind are from Clom. Oh right, okay, Klom. yeah. An Absorbaloff. <laughs> Every planet's got a north. Come on. <laughs> okay last thing what did you think to the um so you know at the beginning where we have they're chasing those dudes through the factory the warehouse and stuff oh i like the little um is it chris levine the, the little one the little one i was going to say oh. what did you think to the very small um performances we did have because we had yeah we had little tiny chris legging around played by jimmy v is it is he been in it before was he in the other story or is it supposed to be a different no i think it's meant to be, well i don't know it the answer a, i think we've it's had a meant young to be slovene before yeah. haven't we yeah i think this is a different one all oh, right uh so we had chris slothene and then we had his his big brother it looks like or his dad or something telling him off and they put this big contraption together but what did you think to the because the slothene get they're in it very they're only in it for about five minutes or so at the very beginning but ah oh, that little chris slothene legging He's around funny, isn't he? yeah I'd like to have seen him come back, you know, the little, the little one. Yeah, no, I thought I thought that was a fight. It was a good start, actually. All that stuff in the, in the first sort of five ten minutes was really good. Um, I liked all that stuff, but yeah, it's funny, isn't it? How you can instantly warm towards a character, and um, yeah, I wouldn't have minded if he'd been in it more. Little Chris Levine. I thought he was the one in. So which one is it? Is it series two, where there's like a Fam Levine family, and there's a little one in that that's running around. Yeah, that's enemy of the bane, I think. Yeah, but that's not that's not the same one, is it? That's I don't think it's the same. Is it the same? Is it enemy of the bane? Is it that one? With I think so. Bane in it again? No, that's the. No, it's not that one. Which one's that then? You remember? You remember it, don't you? Because there, there's a bit. 
Yeah. I don't know. There's definitely one where there's, where there's a Slovene family in it because you sort of almost feel sorry for them at the end, don't you? Yeah. Well, that isn't that... Um... No, that's not the Bane one, is it? Is it Invasion of the Bane? What's the first one? Oh, Revenge of the Slovene, sorry, from Series 1. That had a, uh, that had a little Slovene in it, but that was... Um... I don't think they had names for them back then. Oh, right. God, is that all the way back in Series 1? doesn't yeah. feel like that long ago we watched it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I suppose it would be, yeah. Yeah, um, so uh, that was Carl, little little Slovene Carl. Yes, that's, that's right. Yeah. Again, yeah, played by Jimmy V. Is it, yeah. He's the clever kid, isn't he, at the start? That's it, yep. Yeah, yeah. God, I can't believe that's Series 1. I thought it was like, I actually thought in my head it was this series. Oh, man. Well, yeah. They're all molded into one. But yeah, that was good. That was cool. Yeah, it's a different little, a little Slovene dude, but yeah. still as cute nonetheless. Yeah. And when they get angry, you see their little teeth as well. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. yeah they look, they, as I said, they, they look pretty good, don't they? Considering the limitations that they would have been under when they were making this. They do look good. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, right. So anything else, dude, before we put a score on it? No, not really. No, no. Um, I, I I have noticed that the sonic lipstick is creeping creeping quite a lot in terms of it's becoming a bit a bit like the sonic in the series itself, isn't it? Where it's uh, becoming quite useful in terms of just getting out of situations, um, but uh, but not still not as bad as the Doctor Sonic. So yeah, no nothing nothing else to add really. No, I think the music and everything was good. Sam Watts, I think again doing yeah Sam Watts yeah. yeah. Uh, again, quite Murray Gold influenced, though. Very much, yeah. I yeah, thought that. Yeah. Uh, I don't think there's anything else that I had. No, I mean, just while you're thinking, I think all the cast obviously are, are top notch again. You know that the Attic crew uh, are very, very solid in their performances. That's one thing that hasn't changed. Even if you get a slightly below par episode, um, the, the cast are still great in this. I mean, you know, you've only got to look at that end scene to just see how brilliant these guys are together um and uh liz is great of course uh, i love the bit where she's got the big vinegar gun and she's like you know she's she just says to her, i'm not going to take any nonsense from you guys and you really believe it so yeah but yeah the whole cast and everything was absolutely fantastic in this even if it was a bit below par yes yeah uh, the only other thing i like the little mention of perry vale so when the news reporters when we watch yeah, the yeah, news report rackweed spreading all over Ealing, Perivale, Acton, and all that stuff. Chiswick got mentioned as Chiswick. well. Um, but otherwise, no. It's uh, there was a little allude to the five um, to the five doctors. So in part two, Clyde says to Ronnie, "Well, what would what would Sarah Jane do in this situation?" And Ronnie's like, "Well, she does what she always does, which is improvise, which is almost word for word what Pertwee's doctor says in the five doctors about Sarah." Oh, right. And I hadn't picked up on that. Yeah, that yeah, was quite true. nice. Yeah. Mm, nice. Yeah. yeah. Uh, other than that, dude. Uh, oh, a little side note, a little bit of trivia. Uh, Noel Clark, as, as Mickey, was meant to be in this story. Was he? Yeah. He was meant to be in it as part of Unit. But oh, Noel right. Clark, uh, so he was written in it. It was all ready to go, but uh, he became unavailable. He had to, he just couldn't do it. So they dropped him. They had to write his character out. But yeah, it would have been a Mickey, Mickey story. That would have taken it in a different direction then, because you not aren't even in it. Exactly. Yeah. Mm, interesting. Cool. Interesting indeed. Right. So that probably would have added something to it for sure. To be honest with you, that might have actually taken it up a notch yes. that it needed. But yeah. 
well, yeah, the more you think about that, the more cool yeah. it sounds, yeah. Alas, no Mickey, mm. though. Right, scores, dude. I think it's you to go first. Yeah, I'm going to rate this a 6 out of 10. A 6? Okay, cool. A 6. It was, uh, yeah, it is fun, good, but just a bit average. Okay, uh, I'm going to go with a 6.5. A 6.5, okay. Yeah, I think my point five is probably just because um, I still judge it on my what watching through anything to do with Doctor Who. Do I reach for my phone at various points throughout stories and stuff? And I have to say, I did, but it was only once or twice, or maybe once in each episode, and that was your lot. Yeah. That was okay. your lot. So, um, But yeah, like you, an enjoyable story. Certainly not a clangor, but just <laughs> sort of would have been good to have a bit more substance to it for a finale is all. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, very light on the audio clips this week. We had one in, which is from our regular reviewer as always. So thank you very much. This is Sammy Satine, Dan Ander. Hey, Gary and Adam, Sammy Satine here. So the gift, the blatherine, brown versions of the slitherine, also from Maxicorico Fallopatorius. This isn't my favourite Sarah Jane Adventure story. It's alright. I can tell as soon as the blathering are way too nice and hand over a plant that they're in trouble. Also, saved by the bell? Who knew you could destroy a plant and the blathering with sound? Yeah, I don't find it awful, but it's predictable. Still, more plot than in the forest of the night. Anyway... I give it six rackweeds out of ten. Stay safe. Wash your hands. See ya. Okay, okay. Six, same as me. Six. Not loving it, but not hating it either. Mm. We are washing our hands, Sammy. Don't worry. Yes. We know the rules. Don't worry. Thank you very much, though, for that, Sammy. Your regular review next is cool as always. Uh, we had a few over on the socials. Over on Twitter, we had Dan Peters, probably one of my least favourite SJA stories. I think out of all of them, this is quite clearly aimed at kids, in brackets, farting and gunge. However, it's still a good laugh, and I love K9 getting involved a 6 out of 10. Mm-hmm. Our writer, Jordan Shortman. Actually, I remember. Jordan Shortman's been doing these really cool reviews of the old Virgin Doctor Who stories, the books that were out many moons ago. And uh, the one he put on recently is a really, really good review. It's a McCoy uh, story. It's really cool. So um, just while I, while I read his name, I remembered, yeah, head over to the website to check out his reviews of the Great Virgin Adventure books from back in the day. They're very cool. Anyway, he says, a strange story. I like the blathering, but some of the farting jokes and get a little old. I remember watching this one live and thinking it wasn't doing anything for me. It mm. still doesn't, but it's nice to finally get K9 involved properly. Yeah, true, yeah. Uh, our dude, Adam Mamoon, at the Ultimate Whovian, as he used to be known, a man of film now, says, if this was an episode of Friends, it'd be called The One with Miriam Margoyles. <laughs> yes, it would, Ad. I can't believe I didn't know it was her, Ad. Yeah. John Griffith says, after a cracking set of episodes leading up to this point, this fell flat. There's only white, there's only so many fart jokes you can do. Could have done the whole lot in 30 minutes. 5.5 gaseous ejections from me. <laughs> oh dear. Lastly on Twitter, Caitlin Dalek 100 says, it's an okay story with a rather good concept. However, the blathering were a bit much to take seriously, although it does genuinely work quite well for being a kid's show. 
A very fun and kid-friendly story. It's not great, but it's still somewhat enjoyable. A six out of ten. Another six. Another six. And we had a couple on Facebook. Toby Coleman says, A fond nostalgia trip for me. I remember watching this on CBBC back in the day. I enjoyed the Blatherine and the scenes with them and Liz Sladen on the ship. The Rackweed is an interesting concept that reminds me of the plague in the third Doctor episode, The Silurians. Clyde and Rani are brilliant and uh, a clever way of using K9 by Clyde sneaking him into school to cheat at a test. Luke didn't have much to do, but he needed uh, to be the one to be ill and is rarely in the narrative. <laughs> so an eight out of ten for me. Wow, an eight. An eight. Nice one, okay. Toby. And lastly, Charlie Turner says, nice to see the blathering on screen after they got mentioned in Revenge of the Slavine back in series one. And we're in the Doctor Who Ninth Doctor novel, The Monsters Inside. Mm. The Gift was a pretty good plot. Uh, Need to rewatch though, but I can remember enjoying it for what it was. Another eight out of ten. All right, okay. So the Facebook peeps liking it. Yeah. Yeah. Twitter, not so much. (laughs) Uh, So that's it. Thank you very much for your scores. I think overall we're looking at a six for this, I would say. Average score. Yep. Yeah, I reckon. So not to worry, though, not to worry. We're going to be back on to SJA later on in the year because what we're up to now, dude. Right. So uh, from the next episode, we are going to be doing (laughs) the key to time season, starting with the Ribos operation. Uh, So we'll be reviewing the Ribos operation next week and then the rest of the key to time for the rest of, well, it'll be July and the beginning of August, I guess. Indeedy, yes. Because it's uh, yep. six stories, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so for the next six weeks, it's all fourth Doctor Tom Baker action as we crack through the Key to Time box set, which is going to be fun. Well, I hope so, because <laughs> Tom's my favourite Doctor, but I really struggle with this series, Key to Time season. Um, and the last time I watched The Ripers Operation, I don't remember liking it particularly, but... <laughs> Who knows? Because that's happened before and then we've watched it and I've loved it. So let's see. It's been a while since I delved into the key to time. So I don't know what to expect, to be honest. Well, I've not seen it in ages. Mm. So I'm hoping it's going to be one of those. Okay, I've not seen it in a while, but it's actually pretty sweet. So I'm hoping. Kind of things. So anyway, I know that this box set has got both it's big fans and it's not so fans out there. So we'll see what happens. We're going to treat this like we did with the trial of a time Lord stuff. We're going to crack through it. Otherwise we don't know how to do it. This is going to litter it throughout the year and it won't make <laughs> sense. So, um, so next week, the, the Ribos operation. And I think we'll do there, dude for two, seven, two. Okay. <laughs> Splat. That was my Slavine slash Blatherine impression. <laughs> there we go. Thank you so much. That I, I didn't need to do that, did I? I didn't need to bring the humour level down to the no, fart. No, it actually made yeah. me laugh more than yeah. the episode. So, <laughs> thank you so much for sticking with the show and listening this week to episode <laughs> two hundred and seventy-two. It's been great having you on board, as always. Like I said earlier, thank you very much to anyone that's jumped onto the podcast recently. It's great to have you here 
and the long timers, the Grizzled Ancients. It's great to have you back as always. Uh, thank you so much for all of your thoughts on the uh, this week's review story, The Gift. We won't be looking at Sarah Jane now until uh, the end-ish of August as we kick off Series 4. So four, yeah. between that time, though, as Adam said, next week we're going to kick off the Key to Time story arc with the Rybos operation. So get your DVDs out for that. We'll be asking for your thoughts and views on all that stuff. In the meantime, head over to the website, bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk. You can listen to all of our previous shows on there. Plus, there are links to go off to the various podcast apps and networks. If you want to give us a sub, that would be awesome. That way you won't miss a show when it lands every single Friday. And if you've got a minute to leave us a review, that would be amazing because it helps us out lots and lots. We're on the socials too. Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Do a search for us on those things or uh, click the buttons on the site. We'll take you over there. We'd love to connect with you on there as well. We chat lots of Doctor Who during the week. We have a free Discord server as well. There's a link to that on the website. Come and hang out and chat lots of Doctor Who. There's loads of channels over on the Discord server, such as General, which is not that exciting, but we have... <laughs> Merch news, big finish, events and cons, memes, classic who, modern who, post your collections. That's a really good channel, actually, uh, watching people post pics of their Doctor Who collections. So mm. uh, come and join in on Discord. It's a great place to hang out and chat who. Also, check out my co-host channel over on YouTube, The Geek's Handbag. Yes, indeed. Loads of cool vids from Ad over there. Just get yourself comfy and dig into those. He's on the socials, too, under the same name. Until next week, my name's Gary. My name's Adam. And remember, a- 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 a-